Hey, welcome to the Make America Great Again podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Robinson. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Hopefully we'll release the memo soon. That'd be great. I love that uh, Twitter thinks we're all Russian bots. At least they did until, you know, someone leaked from Twitter that we aren't Russian bots. And in fact, we are good red-blooded Americans right here. United States. I had a personal run-in with this just uh, probably like two weeks ago. I had someone on Twitter arguing with me. As that's pretty much what Twitter's for, right? And they used this site, and I forget what site it was. I actually did go to it and stuff. And um, basically, the site was you know you plug someone's Twitter handle in, and it tells you whether or not they are probably a Russian bot. That's right. Um, well, it says that. It says this this Twitter user is either a Russian bot or subscribes to Russian bot tweets or you know but point is it says this person's probably a Russian bot okay so I mean the person's arguing with me they know that I'm not a robot but they literally just went I don't need to pay attention to anything you're saying anyways because this website says you're a Russian bot and I'm like yeah I have a podcast with thousands of subscribers. Like, you know, I make YouTube videos like this. Uh, by the way, I'm not sure if you guys know this. Uh, I've, I've went digital. Like, I'm on YouTube, have for the last couple episodes. Um, I, I only say that because I have, like, a grand total of, I don't know, 10 YouTube subscribers or 15 or something, and I have literally a couple thousand audio listeners. So, Which, that's fine. I mean, honestly, um, out of all the podcasts I listen to, uh, like maybe Steven Crowder is the only one I'll turn on or Joe Rogan, uh, if he has the right guest and they're showing stuff on the big screen, those are the only ones I'll actually turn on YouTube and actually watch. Other than that, I'm just an audio only listener as well. So I completely understand that. Anyways, back to Twitter. So, you know, this person's telling me I'm a Russian bot and I go check out this website and sure enough, yeah, I'm a Russian bot apparently. And, you know, I wrote the, uh, the developer, I found on the help page the developer's email address and stuff, and I wrote him a really nasty email. But, you know, saying pretty much like, hey, you know, you are you should shut down this site because you're an awful person, and I can't even argue with people on Twitter without being accused of being a Russian bot because of you. Thanks. And then fast forward two weeks later, and sure enough, here's the Democrats using those same websites and, quote, oops, quote, experts uh, as... The, the meaning for, you know, saying we're all Russian bots asking about this release of memo stuff, which is ridiculous. We're not Russian bots. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not that crazy to, to say that, like, there aren't Russian bots, okay? But, uh, yeah, I mean, why, yeah, just because, like, Russia would be doing us a favor if they just fuck off, I guess is my point. Like, at this point... I get the strange feeling that any kind of Russian bot activity post the election are the Democrats renting servers, you know, share blue people, um, the people who get paid to get online and post pro Hillary comments that are still getting paid to do so a year later, by the way. Um, it, those those people um, run by uh, something Brock or Brock something, I forget, a dude that, you know, might be dead now and they're not telling us because he had a heart attack like six months ago and we haven't really heard anything from him since then so anyways 
the share blue people like it really reeks of like hey we just want to be able to say that they're russian bots so we're going to literally create some russian bots and have them say pro trump stuff just so we can point at the ip addresses and be like see they're russians and it's like nope sorry bud the majority of us are not Russians. I mean, at this point, what I guess my point is, what would be the the Russians' motivation to keep, you know, retweeting pro-Trump things? I I just you know I don't get it. It's not it's not going to be like a. They're not gaining anything from that. So whatever. Again, it's the Democrats' way of saying that we're all Russians and dismissing us. Just another way to dismiss us. Oh, you're a white male, dismissed. Oh, you're white, period, dismissed. Oh, you're Republican, dismissed. You must be a Nazi. Oh, you voted for Trump? Again, I don't need to listen to anything you said. Oh, you post on the Donald? I don't need to worry about your opinion. Uh, oh, you, you, I see you have a pro-Trump Facebook post, so I don't care about what you have to say any longer. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Could you imagine if all the Republican people... And all the conservative people and all the people that voted for Trump um, just completely dismissed Hillary voters and anyone that are Democrats. I mean, just, you know, just completely dismissed them, won't even, wouldn't even pay them, you know, oh, oh, you're going to vote for Hillary? Oh, okay, you're a child. I don't need to listen to your opinion. Thanks, so. Have a nice day. You know, like that, at least we're willing to argue, I guess is the point. Uh, we are willing to argue and try to convince you to come to our side and see things our way. Whereas if you are uh, liberal, it's just nothing but, oh, I'm I'm done with you. Oh, you voted for Trump? Wash my hands of you. See you later. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, you know we're not going anywhere, right? You can't just, eventually, you'll have to ignore everyone on the planet. Be, you know, like, by the numbers, and, and I'm only saying this because every, pretty much everyone I knew and everyone in my family are anti-Trump and pro-Hillary people. Uh, you know, and I really took a giant shit in their cereal when I voted for Trump and started posting pro-Trump things, right? So, uh, and even, even most of them, I guess, is my point. While definitely not admitting that they were wrong in any way or that Trump is not Hitler... They've definitely dialed it back, I guess is my point. And like, they've stopped pretty much posting or saying anything concerning the election or Trump or Hillary. And granted, most of those people also, um, you know, most people only give a shit about politics, you know, once for a few months every four years when the president's being elected. And then they just check out and they're like, okay, well, see in, see in three and a half years when I have to care again. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of that too, but... I mean, even the people that I, I was never political before Donald Trump either. Yet here I am still making podcasts, still defending Trump. And I mean, honestly, it's it comes down to, again, they just don't. Everyone is waiting for something to happen. That's what it really comes down to. We are all waiting for one side to win. And. Someone's got to win. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. The, our society is not going to heal until either A, Donald Trump is proven like they un, like they literally have the video of him sucking off Putin and being like, oh, I'll give you anything you want. Oh, 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 oh. okay. Like that. 
we need either that or we need the Democrats to be like, hey, maybe we were wrong on the whole Donald Trump, the, you know, TV star billionaire who dates supermodels might not also be a Russian agent who is also a rapist. That we may have been wrong on that. So, like, we need to hear that is the point. And I don't see that happening unless... I'm like, like, what's the what's the best case scenario here? Let's let's take a quick look. Okay. From Trump's side, best case scenario is all the news agencies literally issue an apology for wasting our time and the president's time for the last year accusing him of being a Russian agent. That's like best case scenario is that we get a, a public apology. And we can all move on, right? I, I mean, it's not like... I, I don't see Hillary going to jail. I don't see Obama going to jail. I don't see anyone that we actually want to go to jail going to jail. Like maybe a Susan Rice or uh, an Evelyn Farkas or, you know, someone that... Like, I'm not saying that they won't try to pin this whole, like, FISA core and spying on Trump thing on someone, but it's definitely not going to be Hillary or Obama or Loretta Lynch or uh, James Comey, you know, or it, it, it or Robert Mueller or it, it's not going to be anyone's fault of anyone's like that. That would be acceptable to Trump supporters is my point. Like no Trump supporter is going to be cool with how this goes unless Hillary's in fucking jail, which isn't going to happen. So, I mean, I mean, if it does great, I'm wrong. Oh God, you know, <laughs> Like, that'll be the best thing possible to prove me wrong on. But I just, I just mean, like, let's be realistic. If she was going to jail, she'd already be there. Like, they already have all the evidence and all the... I mean, it's very clear she broke the law, um, you know, about classified emails and keeping them on and sending them to people that can't have classified stuff, letting her maid print out classified emails, just shit like that. Like, she definitely committed crimes. She could definitely be charged if she wanted, if, we, like, the Justice Department wanted to. So, with all that blaring, obvious stuff, like, again, not going to jail. No one no one at Hillary's level or higher is going to jail. It's just not going to happen, right? Maybe a lower-level person. So, that's, again, best-case scenario, we get an apology and we move on. That's best-case scenario in my mind. Now, best case scenario on the liberal side to them is Trump is a Russian agent. We finally prove that. And then somehow, I guess, Paul Ryan, like uh, P- Pence, is, Pence will also have to resign, I guess. And then like, I don't know, I guess Jeff Sessions or something, whoever, whoever else is in line. Anyways, it'll get down to Paul Ryan being the president. And then he will... Um, choose Hillary Clinton as his vice president and then he will resign and then Hillary Clinton will resume her rightful place as president of the United States. That's their ultimate crazy goal, okay? So that's their best case scenario. Our best case scenario, an apology, their best case scenario, Hillary Clinton is president now, okay? So um, their worst case scenario they win the midterm elections, they impeach Trump, they somehow force him out of office, 
And then there's a civil war. And you heard me, a civil war. I was I was watching this, uh, you know, the women's march this weekend, and uh, Owen Troyer from Infowars was going around, and there's like a good hour and a half of video of him walking around the march, making people angry just by you know spewing facts at them. And uh, the the beautiful part was, you know, he actually made one like very angry Antifa anarchist guy dressed all in black with you know cameras set up and stuff. He made this guy so mad that he was like spitting on him and foaming at the mouth and stuff. It was crazy, right? Um, and he, he tried to get the guy arrested after he, you know, he spit on him several times and none of the cops would do anything about it. But that's neither here nor there. The, the, the fun part was he was going around, you know, yelling at, well, not really yelling. He was waiting for people to yell at him and then he would yell back, right? But um, the best part was that at one point near the end, he started asking people, uh, just, just straight up, like, all right, so let's say you win and you impeach Trump. And you get what you want. Um, are you prepared for the civil war? And they're like, well, huh? What? And he's like, yeah, you know, because there will be a civil war. And they're like, no, no, I won't come to that. And he's like, yeah, you, yeah, no, okay, but if it does, are you you're prepared for that, right? Like you, you're good with impeaching Trump, even if it leads to a civil war. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And they're like, so you'd like, you know, you'd fight, you'd you'd fight for your family, and well, no, no. You know, I, you know, I'm not a fighter. I'm that's, that was, mo, you know, multiple responses. Like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to fight. You know, uh, I just want president to be impeached. Who cares? You know, yeah, there might be a civil war, but it'll be fine. You know, you know, the, the cop cops and uh, the, the, you know, government will restore order. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but you know, the cops and the, and the, the um, army are on Trump's side, right? Like they're Trump people. Like, if you impeach Trump and take him out of office, they're just going to figure out a way to put him back in. That's not, it's going to be a coup, a military coup, and then they're going to put Trump back in office. That's not, I mean, will they have a choice after, like, I don't know, 30 out of the 50 states have their governments taken over by conservatives with guns? I'm just saying, like, if there's one way you can get people to march in the streets, it's getting, it's kicking Donald Trump out of office and putting Hillary in his spot. Like, yeah, people with guns marching to the town center to say, all right, government, you're done. Let the adults take over now. Thanks. Okay. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, could you imagine them impeaching Donald Trump and, you know, him actually, uh, stepping down or resigning or being forced to, because I'm not sure you remember Bill Clinton was impeached too. And he didn't exactly resign. He was like, cool. So I'm impeached. Neat. Anyways, back to being president. So theoretically, Trump could just do that too. Like it, just because they impeach him, he's like, oh, cool. So apparently you guys are mad at me about some stuff. Neat. I'm getting back to being president now. So have a good one. You know, like, or theoretically, he could resign, make President Trump or uh, vice, vice president Pence becomes president. And then Donald Trump, say he say he chooses to let Pence be president, seriously, because that would be like the left's worst nightmare anyways. And then he can use that whole last like year or two that he's got left to run for re-election in 2020. So he can like steer this ship in the right path, you know, get a few things done, let Pence take over. And then spend two years running around doing rallies and becoming, you know, running for president again.
for 2020. So, because then you're like, sure, you impeached me. Good job. Here, tell you what, I'll let, I'll let uh, Pence be president. There you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to go do about a thousand rallies. Um, so see you in 2020, people. That would be the ultimate, uh, you know, screw you to the uh, Democratic side. Because honestly, I mean, like that's, there are no, there are no rules that say like, once you're impeached, you can't run for president again. So you can't run for president after you've been president twice, but you could totally get impeached, resign, and then run again. Like that's, and, and if, if anyone was going to do that, it would be Trump. I mean, he would, he would love nothing more than to give up the reins of the government to Pence or anyone else and go run around talking to people, shaking hands and kissing babies for another two years so he can become president again. And then you know what? At the end of his second term, maybe like the last year, he might do the same thing again just for fun. Hey, Pence here, take over again. See ya. I'm going to go jet setting because I'm a billionaire. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to be president. He doesn't, he didn't even particularly want to be president until like we all wanted him to be president. I mean, seriously, like when he was first like running against you know, the 17 Republican candidates and he was taking them all out, calling them names and stuff, right? And he had it whittled down to like the six and, you know, then took care of them. And Like, I think, I think until like he, it was down to, you know, like him and Jeb and Rubio and uh, uh, Ted Cruz, like until it got to that point, I don't think he actually thought he was going to be president or wanted to be president. I think he was making money off selling hats. Okay. Like, I'm not sure if you know this, but when you run for president, the money you raise, if you don't become president, that's your money. You get me? So, like, you get to keep the leftovers, I guess is my point. Think of it like that. So, uh, you know, if President Trump wouldn't have won, think about all the money he would have made just going around the country selling hats. Just consider that for a second. So, um, and then he won. And he's like, oh, shit. And he had no plan for, like, what to do once he won, really. I mean, he had thought about who he may would appoint or thought about possible policies he would want to do, you know. But honestly, he's just going around trying to get the stuff y'all promised us on the campaign trail, you know. I mean, that's been his primary goal since he became president. And he hasn't, you know, he's he's appointed some good people and he's appointed some terrible people, you know. But, I mean, again, what did you expect? He had no idea what he was doing. Like, he's never been a politician. So, and that's why we voted him in. We just wanted, like, anyone that voted for Trump, for the most part, just saw him as a giant wrecking ball and saw the government over here as a bunch of assholes. And we're like, yep, here we go. Let's watch. Let's watch and see what happens, you know? And that's that's why he can't really do anything wrong. Because, we, I mean, we want him to do the wrong stuff. We don't. We don't particularly want him to get along with the liberals and uh, like this DACA deal. Ah, oh, we he would like. I don't know about anyone else. I mean, first of all, I'm a new conservative, like fresh, as in like I'm about I'm about I don't know a year and a half, I guess, into this conservative stuff. I'm mean, you know I voted for Obama. I was Democrat, like I was all for abortion and. Uh, Fucking all kinds of shit that I'm not now. I mean, just in the last two years. And, and granted, you know, I've gotten older and the, you know, wool has slowly you know, been taken away from my eyes. I've been able to 
see more clearly now. And as you get older, you generally become more conservative. That's usually how it works. But I mean, you know, you have kids, you got family, you know, you're all of a sudden like, oh, all that crap I used to believe in doesn't really fit my current lifestyle. So, and, but that's my point. I was not a Republican, not a conservative. I, don't, I still don't really consider myself a Republican. Like I consider myself a, 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 a Trumplican or whatever. I could care less about the Republican Party still. I mean, I, I, other than Rand Paul, uh, Justin Amage, um, a, a couple other I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm, you know, I don't particularly care for any of those people. That you know, Trey Gowdy, they're not a great one. Like, <clears throat> love him, but uh, Jason Chavez, uh, Devin Nunes, you know, the few of them that are actually fighting for any kind of truth right now. Uh, yeah, sure. I would gladly re-vote for them if I lived in their states or whatever. But the rest of the people, I could care less. I could care less. They're doing nothing for us or to help Trump. They're just like sitting back, enjoying their popcorn, watching the show, you know? Like, oh, what are we, what's the majority voting on? Yes, cool. Okay, then I'll vote yes. You know, I mean, that's like most of the the people in the House and the Senate. It's just... Okay, yeah, just vote party line. Cool, gotcha. You know, they don't actually have to think for themselves. And when they do, it's usually bad. Like, oh, I'm going to think myself, so I'm going to force them to put some special thing in this bill for my state and get something for my you know, people that voted for me, but still screwed the whole American people, which is the whole point of the federal government, is to help people as a whole. That's why it's ridiculous that, like, senators and uh, any kind of, like, uh, earmarks and, you know... Uh, fat or pork or whatever they call it that, you know, basically they take a bill and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to vote for that unless you also include that there's going to be, you know, some special thing for my state, you know? And it's like, no, that's that's what the state government's for. You do your stuff in the state government, the federal stuff's for all the people. So you don't get special crap, you know? But that doesn't matter. They still do. All the time. Like, it's not... That's not what the federal government was for, giving special treatment to certain states, which is kind of like the whole point of being a senator, I guess, is to go make sure you can get special stuff for your states, you know. The House is a little little less more like that because, you know, the, the Senate's got like, uh, you know, two per state or whatever, right? And the House has several depending on the population of your state and stuff, um, you know, congressmen. So it's kind of like uh, they're a little less like, oh, it you know, has to benefit my state for me to vote on it. So that's why it's easier to get stuff through the House than it is the Senate a lot of the times. Um, because the Senate, they know they have, you know, one person can hold up the whole process, especially when it's like 50-50 right now, which is, again, why the two-party system sucks and this whole, you know, system of government is retarded. It's because, yeah, I mean, the our current setup is the perfect example for why it's so dumb. We have two parties, neither of which want to agree on anything because of Trump, and we can't get anything done. Because we can't even get ten people from either side to vote on other people's crap. Like, like the DACA thing I started talking about a second ago? Just consider this for a second. Donald Trump, like six months ago, repealed the amnesty for well not i guess four months ago point is months ago donald trump repealed the obama era am amnesty for you know what is it uh deferred amnesty for childhood arrivals that's what the daca actually stands for right so he he like that was a illegal signing statement that obama did 
you know, basically making law from the Oval Office, which is illegal. You're not supposed to make laws from the Oval Office. That's what Congress is for. So Donald Trump repealed it and said, hey, Congress, write me a DACA bill. I'll sign it. Okay? It's not that hard. Like, so the Democrats have had all this time, still no bill. No bill whatsoever. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I were you. But if I was a Democrat, I would have probably at least wrote a bill. Because, okay, let's say that everyone caves and says, all right, cool, let's do DACA right now. Where's it at? And they go, oh, uh, well, we don't really have a bill. If, if you could just, like, just write it in on something, like, oh, and by the way, DACA people are cool now, then, you know, we're good. We don't need, like, a whole bill, you know? And it's like, no, dude, no, we need a bill. Like, we're not just going to make a stupid like one line thing somewhere that says like all DACA people are have citizenship now or some shit like that. Like you have to write an immigration bill that includes the DACA people. And then we all have to like look at it and vote on it and decide that that's a good bill. And like, that's how government works. It's, it doesn't work how Obama did it, which is just writing crap and saying, y'all have to do this now. I mean, could you imagine if Trump started doing that? Instead, I mean, he's actually been doing the opposite of that. Could you imagine if he acted like Obama did and just started writing bills from the, I mean, the, you guys would have no leg to stand on. Um, I mean, and granted, federal judges would just keep trying to block him and stuff, but he could just overrule him. I mean, there's no, all these federal judges that keep trying to block his travel ban and crap like that, he doesn't have to pay attention to them at all. Like, he can just say, all right, nice opinion, judge, have a good day, and just do it anyways. What are they going to do? Like, they can't stop him. Like, he's the president. And they are a lowly federal judge. It'd be different if it was the Supreme Court, but they're not. They're like ninth, you know, they are below the Supreme Court, thus below the authority of the president. So they don't get to tell him what to do or what he can't do. You know, he can do whatever he wants, just like Obama could. They didn't try to tell Obama he couldn't do stuff like sign DACA. The point is, Democrats have had all this time to sign DACA or, well, to make a DACA bill, period. Still haven't. Um, they tried to shut down the government. This, well, I mean, technically they did shut it down for a day. Um, well, it was like three days, but it was a weekend. So it's like, okay, you shut it down for Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday during the day you reopened it. So like what, half a day shut down or something. And they didn't, they didn't get anything for the shutdown other than looking like a bunch of crybabies and a bunch of idiots. I mean, seriously, they, <clears throat> they shut it down because they were demanding that, Trump put DACA into the continuing continuing resolution, which is um, basically the government every year has to agree to keep going into debt and spending money we don't have. So the worst case scenario, uh, we don't ever sign another one of these again, and we're forced to stop going into debt. Sounds terrible, right? I mean, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, the government would be able to run if you didn't do that. Okay, sure. But I think we'd figure it out. This is my point. Like, this continuing resolution is literally just a way for us to just keep kicking the can down the road to the next generation and being like, yeah, our budgets don't actually have to mean anything. We can just spend as much money as we want because we have this bill that we sign every year saying we can do that. So, whatever. And that's what this was. Um so they agreed to sign it for freaking three weeks. And so now we have to, now they're going to do the same thing again, like in another two weeks is, you know, they'll 
again, hold up the entire government, hold a gun to the government's head and say, we're not giving you your money till you sign this DACA bill, which hopefully they'll have by then. But probably not. They'll probably just say, no, we want DACA included in this. So, so let me get this straight, Democrats. Um, you want DACA so that you can, you know, hopefully claim those two to four million voters as Democrats in the following, you know, midterm elections, right? So you want you want DACA just for that, but you don't want to actually write a bill or vote on a bill for DACA. You just want us, you just want, like, well, I won't say us, you just want Republicans to do it. That's the point. How, how is that supposed to work? Like, wouldn't a Republican DACA bill be kind of, you know, crappy? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if Repu- let's say the Republicans did what you wanted and literally made the bill for you since you're too lazy to even write a bill for the people that you want to supposedly save. Let's say the Republicans did write it. Then you just pick it apart and, like, rewrite it. So it's like you it's like you want them to do your homework for you just so you can tell them they're dumb and fix it. It doesn't make sense. Just write your own bill, we'll vote on it. The president already said he would sign it. Like what what's what's the big deal? I mean, the the real problem is they don't want to give any concessions to Trump. So, you know, like regardless, he's getting a border wall, he's going to end chain migration, he's going to end the visa lottery. In case you don't know what those two things are, just real quick, visa lottery is where we like say there is um, two immigrants, not refugees, but just plain old people at the same level of like you know they just want to come to America. They're not in any kind of special danger, right? Well, if a person in say Poland wants to come to America, a person in say Somalia wants to come to America, the Somalian gets a, a bump in the line. So if they both sign up the exact same time. The Somalia gets put to the front of the line. The person from Poland gets to stay exactly where the hell he was when he entered, right? That's what the visa lottery program is. So basically it takes people, mostly uh, black people from poor African countries or South American countries or Middle Eastern countries. Basically poor, quote, shithole countries, okay? Um, So it brings people from there to here ahead and like bumps them in the head of the line in front of other people that maybe aren't from such shitty countries that might benefit American society a little more, okay? So that's what the visa lottery program is. Again, has nothing to do with refugees, has nothing to do with, like, people like, oh, no, I'm, you know, being literally, you know, shot at, and I, <clears throat> I need refugee status. This is not them. This is just, like, regular old, nothing wrong, you know, people. And they, you know, they get ahead of the line because they're from poor countries. So that's what he wants to end. And then uh, as well, the chain migration, which means that when the Somalian does get here ahead of the Poland guy, the Somalian also gets to bring in his whole family of like, you know, 15 or 20 people and they don't have to be vetted at all. So they just get to come on in. So again, who would you rather have 20 people from Somalia or 20 people from Poland? So I'm sorry for being like racist, I guess, but um, it doesn't have to be, I guess, a white country. You could pick a, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of it in the top of my head, but you could, if there's like some real rich country with black people out there that's like not a shithole, um, great, them too. Come on over. Like, I don't know what else to say. I'm not trying to say just white people, I guess is my point. I'm saying countries that aren't shitty. We need people from them too, not just shitty countries. But hey, 
So chain migration, visa lottery, he wants those to get out and be done with, and he wants border wall funding, right? And that's what it's going to take for DACA. Now, it, this wasn't the case before they shut down the government and did all this shit. Basically, they've forced his hand at this point to where, you know, before uh, the last two or three weeks, you know, it was a mere suggestion. Like, for, you know, first of all, you know, DACA for border wall, right? They should have taken that deal like a couple months ago because then like about a month ago, then it was like DACA for border wall and ending chain migration and visa lottery. And they're like, Ugh, you know, um, and yeah, and, and now those were just mere suggestions at the time. And now after the government shut down, no, now they're just straight up like, listen, we ain't signing dick unless it's got these three things in it. And then you can put your DACA people in there or whatever. We're not, we're not going to do just a little... Oh, let's just do the DACA bill. No, he would have done that two months ago. You fucked that up. Now it's all or nothing, okay? He realizes now if you guys get your DACA bill, nope, that's it. You're, not, you're definitely not going to do anything about the border wall, chain migration, visa lottery, any crap like that. You'll just kick that can down the road to the next, you know, people. Um, you know, hopefully after Trump when you have a Democratic president that will not care about any of that stuff. So, you know, especially with the impending impeachment and possible resignation, not really. Uh, you know, Trump wants to get done as much as he can, you know, like, could you imagine this Trump? Let's say they get what they want, you know, impeach Trump, somehow force him out of office, civil war ensues, you know, he'll eventually get back in office. But in that time, like all the stuff he's doing is still like helping. So like the jobs are still coming back. People still have more money in their paycheck because of the tax plan, which by the way, um, here in like literally two weeks, you will start getting more money back in your taxes. Um, some people already have actually, but the IRS updated their, uh, you know, like the tables they use to calculate, you know, how much money you're taking out of your check. So, um, like let's, let's say the government was taking 250 bucks out of your check, each check. Now they'll be taking roughly like 175 instead. So you're going to get an extra 50 to 75 bucks back per check. And, that, and again, I have no idea how much money they take out of your check. I'm basing that on like let's say an average of a you know a check for a thousand bucks or um, you know roughly let's just say that thousand bucks you're gonna get an extra fifty bucks back um, on your check so that's an extra hundred bucks a month if you're at you know two thousand bucks a month um, you know roughly give or take you know more than likely give fifty bucks so be, be more like two hundred bucks you know that you'd be getting back but that's the point like you will literally get more of your money in your paycheck starting next month. And it's going to be a lot harder to argue that his uh, tax plan sucks when you're like, oh, cool, just go ahead and give me those, you know, give me that 100, 200 bucks back. Go ahead and donate that back to the federal government. Just write that to the, write that check to the IRS every month. Say, no, I don't need this extra money. Here, you guys have it. Please, please give it to poor people, you know, because that's what the government does with your money. Not really. I mean, well, I mean, technically they do. They give it to our poor people um, in a way of welfare and uh, C-CHIP and, you know, all the other many programs that pay for, you know, the poor in our country, which I'm not against every single welfare program we have. I think that most of them are bloated and um, I think that we should give better care to less people. That makes sense. Like, we should give more money to less people. So, like... We need to actually find people that really are disabled, really can't work, aren't just being lazy, um, and give them like better benefits. 
and then we can give we can save money by not giving it to people that just don't want to fucking work. So, you know, that's and you know, I know it's hard to differentiate between the two, but I mean, we've been doing it for many years, so, you know, we just step that game up a little bit and actually catch people defrauding welfare. Um, the only problem with that is generally it costs more money to catch welfare fraud than it does save money catching the welfare fraud. So let's say you spend a million dollars a year finding welfare fraud. Well, you may literally only find half a million dollars worth of welfare fraud. And granted, in the grand scheme of things that, you know, those defrauders, if they would have kept going, would have definitely, you know, it's definitely worth it to stop welfare fraud. But again, the problem is when you look at it as a line item on a budget, it costs more to do the actual investigating of welfare fraud than it saves money finding people committing welfare fraud. Unless you look at it in the long term of this person was going to possibly commit welfare fraud for the rest of their life. And that would have definitely equaled, you know, 30 times as much of this money than we've actually stopped, you know. So it just depends on how you look at it. But, I mean, that's why most people don't really mess with welfare fraud or try to push that issue. Um, you know, and again, it, it just looks like you're trying to pick on poor people. So it's not like, uh, oh, yeah, let's, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go, uh, you know, take food literally right out of poor people's hands, you know. Um, it's just, it's... It's hard, you know, because you want to feel pity, like you should, for people that have less stuff than you, okay? Like, yes, you're less fortunate for whatever reason, and I would like you to be more fortunate. I would like everyone to be more fortunate, right? I mean, that's like the, I mean, unless you're just an asshole, you're not like hoping that everyone does worse than you. You want everyone to do as good or better than you so that, you know, it gives you uh, cause or motivation to also do better, Um but anyways, since you can't, you can't just, uh, you can't just hope that everyone does better and it happens. The unfortunate thing is, some people don't. Some people are do not do better. Some people are poor and have no motivation to not be poor. And some people, you know, definitely, it, it's not that they couldn't get off welfare and get off food stamps. It's that why would they? Why would you know? That's. It's such a, like, you know, I, I, I know people that use these programs. And, I mean, my mom was a single mom growing up, you know. Um, mom and dad got divorced when I was three. He really wasn't part of, you know, me growing up. And she worked two jobs. You know, she was a school teacher. She had a whole second job she did. You know, she always, I mean, she never signed up for any kind of welfare or any kind of benefits. I mean, that's just wasn't wasn't how she did it. It wasn't how I was raised, you know, and. Again, I, I've been plenty poor in my life. Never signed up for any kind of benefits. I, I was on unemployment for a couple months once when I was like 20. Um, and literally long enough for me to get a job, right? And get a, get going. So that was like, you know, that's the most welfare I've ever taken either. And I, you know, I, I didn't feel good about that either. It was just kind of like a, well, it's this or nothing. So uh, it's this or move back in with my mom when I'm, you know, mid-20s. And I really want to enjoy that thought, so... Welfare it was, and it did help, you know, between welfare and me doing side jobs and stuff, I was able to, you know, keep my house and pay my bills and find a job eventually and, and get off welfare, you know, or unemployment rather. But the point is, 
most people, unemployment and welfare, they just stay on it forever. They have no intention of actually getting off of it is the real problem. They're not like me. They weren't doing it very temporarily. They get it, and then six months in, they're like, why the hell would I get a job? Like, a real job, working full-time. Like, if, because let's say you're getting $400 a week from unemployment. Name a job where you're going to go make much more than that, and you're going to have to work. That I mean, you can sit on the couch and make $400, or you can work your butt off for 40 to 50 hours all week and make about $400. I mean, that's, you know, minimum wage job, obviously, but that's the point. Like, if that's your only option, why would you work? And that's, you know, I'm not an advocate of raising the minimum wage because I don't think that you should be forcing any uh, businesses to... You know, if anything, I would do away with the minimum wage altogether so that they can pay people $1 an hour if they'd like. Like, if there are jobs out there that are worth $1 an hour and there are people willing to work for $1 an hour, then they should be able to do that. Just saying. Like, and I get that, uh, you know, only people would be wanting to work for $1 an hour are probably illegal immigrants, but if we build a wall and then chain migration and visa lottery, um, maybe the people taking those $1 jobs... Uh, will be kids that need to get experience working. You know what I mean? Like like it used to be. Like that's, that's how, you know, I got my first job when I was 11. I was a paper boy. 11 years old. Writing, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, bundling papers up, putting them in a satchel, getting on a bike, taking like a, you know, riding like a five-mile route on a bike, delivering papers, and then still going to school at 7 a.m. Like, that was me when I was 11 years old. And I'm not old. I'm, like, 32 years old, okay? So, like, this isn't, like, some, like, oh, when I was your age. No, like, I'm a fairly young guy. And, and I mean, you know, in comparison to most, um, I'm, like, I guess millennial-ish, you know? Even though I don't really consider myself millennial because I moved out of my mom's house when I was 18 and, you know, have a 10-year-old child. So I'm not, not exactly millennial status here, in my opinion. Um but people my age are considered millennials, I guess is my point. Like, I'm at the, like, tippy top, you know? It's like me and under, I guess, are millennials. I just just missed the, you know, just right at the cutoff or whatever. But the point is, most millennials are barely out of their parents' house. I mean, just my generation just didn't... There were, there were about half of them that got out and moved on and created lives. The other half kind of hung out. I hate to be one of those immigrants are kicking her jibs. But they really are for, like, kids. That's the point. Uh, you know, you used to actually be able to do a job for a lower wage. And, like I was saying, and you would get experience and then take that experience and turn it into a possible career. Or at least take that experience and be able to get a better job getting paid a decent wage somewhere else. The point is that you would actually at least be able to, I don't know, like, not just sit around and be like, I'm broke. It's too bad that these, you know, Mexicans that are getting paid three bucks an hour are taking my job. Well, it's because no one wants a three dollar an hour job, right? But that's the point. Kids would. Like, if you have to do a, your option right now is a child, okay? You can go to college, go there for four years, try to not get converted to an Antifa person and get ran over in the street, you know, protesting something, trying to shut down a highway like an idiot. And maybe once you graduate college, 
first of all, you might be more knowledgeable than when you went in. Or, depending on your college, you might just come out hating America more and not really being any better off. Um, the one thing you will have in common, though, is both colleges, the ones that teach you and the ones that convert you, you're still going to have a big bill afterwards. And that's the problem. Sure, go to college, get a degree, and then pay us back that $20,000 that you, you know, or that's cheap, $100,000 that you uh, owe us for going to college, right? Well, I mean, our parents got to, like, work in the summers to pay off their college. You Now you get out of college and you have to spend the next 10 years paying off your uh, student loans. That's not... So that's option one. That's the one that, like, your counselors in high school are pushing for. You know, at least they were when I was in school. Like, you have to go to college to get a good job and blah, 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 blah. You know? Like, that's the point. So if you don't go to college, that means that you're going to be a ditch digger. Well... I mean, that's, hate to break it to you, but that's not really how life has worked out now. They kind of all lied to us. Like, I would have been way better off if they'd have just been like, hey, go learn how to weld. <laughs> I'd have been like, I'd have had way more money right now, is all I'm saying. Uh, you know, it's it's taken me the better part of 10 years of working without a college degree to, you know, be able to make roughly 60K a year. That's like what the starting wage would have been for, uh, you know, so if I had... If I actually found a job using my college diploma, you know, and I'd probably be at a slightly higher wage now, maybe, in whatever career I chose. But that's the that's the point. I'd also have debt. I'd also have wasted at least four to eight years of my life in college. And those are years you don't give back. Like, I'm, theoretically, you know, if I would have became a doctor, um, you know, I'd probably be better off financially, but I also wouldn't have had a 10-year-old kid right now. I might have like a five-year-old kid or maybe just now having kids. Point is, I definitely would have been set back in my life eight years worth of going to college to do that thing. And yeah, it may have been worth it, you know? Life, it just depends on whether or not you think life's uh, short enough that you don't want to waste eight years in college and get right to working. But the problem is that's not at all, um, like Mike Rowe is very, uh, very up on this, by the way. He's uh, He's got his own little crazy podcast and uh, I think a YouTube channel too and you know, the dirty jobs micro. Um, he's like literally got charities and stuff made just for sending people to technical college and teaching them, you know, technical skills and stuff. Uh, because again, it's not, there's just not enough welders and ditch diggers, honestly. Construction workers, people that know how to run heavy equipment, CDL drivers for truck driving. You know, I mean, like truck drivers literally are like, if you want to not go to college, and have a job where you're gone all week working and then you're home on the weekends and you want to make like, you know, a thousand bucks a week, literally, uh, go be a truck driver. Like probably take you a month or two to get your CDL license. Not even that. I mean, maybe, maybe a month, maybe a couple weeks. I mean, like some places have mandatory, like you have to go kind of train how to use CDL. Some states you can literally just hop in a semi and take the test. So it's kind of like, whatever you can manage wherever you're at. But the point is, you know, there's not anyone training to be a truck driver. There's not anyone training to be a welder. There's um, no one my age, at least. And uh, in my industry, for instance, I install electronic logbooks on semis. And I, I haven't met a truck driver my age ever. I'm sure they're out there. But just all of them that at least I interact with are older than me. And most of them are like retiring. 
You know, I mean, that's the whole point, especially with the government mandating electronic logbooks last December. Pretty much uh, any any old people that were thinking about retiring are like, now nah, I'm good because that electronic logbook makes it very hard to drive more than you should and make more money than legally you're able to. Uh, you know, it also like keeps people from like smoking meth and driving across the country and shit and, you know, falsifying their logs. But let's be realistic. Most people aren't doing that nowadays. Okay. Like, honestly, I, you know, I'm in all these semis. They don't do drugs. They're not like, they are all very straight edge. Like when you have a CDL, if you even like your actual drunk driving is restricted then. So like, say if you have a CDL license and you're a semi truck driver and you're at home that weekend driving your personal car, you can't have like a point oh oh four like blood alcohol content or you're like you get your CDL revoked and you get a DUI. No joke. Yeah, like so you can't have a beer and drive home. If you do and you get pulled over and breathalyzed, you lose your CDL. That's how, you know, serious they are about that stuff. So it's not like CDL drivers are taking any chances whatsoever anyways. And the whole ELD mandate's just a way to get them, basically a way to force smaller companies to spend money paying someone like me to install thousands of dollars worth of equipment in your semi. And then you have to pay a monthly fee as well for each semi of like 50 bucks roughly um, to, you know, your uh, GPS company. Um, and that's to keep like your cell phone connection alive that uploads the data every second of the day as to where you're at and where you're driving and all that stuff, which is again, the government mandated this last December. So, um, you know, there's the, but moral of the story is like, there's not enough truck drivers to continue our trucking industry. I mean, every single trucking place I go to is hiring. There's not one. They're like, yep, we're full up. We got so many drivers. We don't know what to do with No, They're constantly, constantly looking for more drivers. Every place I go has at least a couple trucks just sitting because they don't have the drivers to drive them. Like that's how crazy it is. And it's again because no one's training to become a truck driver. No no one no one's uh call it or high school counselor is like, "Hey, hey Billy, I see that you're an average C student and um you know, college probably won't benefit you. Uh why don't you consider, you know, doing something like getting your CDL, become a truck driver?" Or, uh, you know, learn how to operate heavy equipment and you can, you know, drive a bulldozer and do construction. There are, there are so many jobs that you will like make over $50,000 with less than six months worth of training. And they're hard jobs. They're not sit in an office or some kind of very comfortable inside setting in front of a computer and do work. You're right. Like those jobs you have to go to college for, but those jobs are also shitty and non-existent hardly like it's hard to get you know there there's way more people that want to just sit in a desk and get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year than want to get in a bulldozer and get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year that's just life i mean work is hard easy work is way easier like if i could get paid just to do podcasting all day fuck yeah i would like i am so envious of all those podcasters out there that that's like their whole that's it that's all they have to do get on here once a day and ramble to you all fuck like that would be awesome but that's the point i don't do that i got a whole you know like i was just working till like five o'clock in the morning for a week straight and you know installing logbooks and you know this uh pepsi company's you know fucking delivery trucks and, and yeah i had to work like all night long because that's just when the trucks were available and it was five degrees outside 
It was shitty. But guess what? That's life. Life is shitty. Jobs are, jobs that pay well are shitty. You know? <laughs> like that's If you want a well-paying job, you have to actually be willing to work and work for your money. You can't just expect to go to college and be like, oh, I learned something real well, so now I can just sit down and express that knowledge and get paid money. That's great if you can do that. But it's just, it's, it's a dying job, like any of those, you know? I mean... Anything that's not like an essential, like doctor or nurse, um, you know, just stuff like that, that we absolutely need. That's, that's about the only thing that you're guaranteed you're going to get a job doing. Anything else, it's just a crapshoot and you're pretty much just indebting yourself to the system for an extra four years of, of uh, childhood and getting to skip being an adult and having to pay bills and uh, become part of society like the rest of us. I know it's kind of harsh saying that college kids aren't adults or part of society but sorry uh come see me once you've had a kid and paid a few bills like come come see me once you've lived somewhere for six months paid all your own bills and have a child and then if you want to argue with me that you were also an adult when you were just going to college uh living in a dorm then i'll have that debate with you but until then fuck off okay um and with that i guess i'll 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 end this ramble of a podcast because i'm not really sure if i got too much but Actually, you know what? Before I get off here, one last thing. The whole FISA, you know, uh, memo that they want released, I I just read that it was actually like, um, supposedly, it names both Rosenstein, Comey, and uh, um, one one of the other guys, uh, McCabe, I think, yeah. Um, It names all three of those or whatever in the memo, as in like they were all in on this whole Trump spying for no reason crap you know uh, and yeah remember uh by the way adam schiff i'm not a robot so neither are most people and we want the memo released so if you guys could just go ahead and do that that'd be great um oh yeah and also trump was uh at the world economic forum today uh he just showed up actually a couple hours ago uh, i saw a video of him uh you know entering the the place and all the reporters are all around him taking pictures and talking to him. And he looks like he's having a jolly good time. I want to say he brought um, uh, Secretary of Education at Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Yes. Um, the one that everyone, the liberals hate because she wants to do away with Common Core, um, which is pretty much dead now, by the way. Woohoo! Yeah. Common Core and ISIS, dead. Woo! It's kind of goals. Campaign goals, you know? Um, but anyways, he brought her with, and rightfully so, because she's like a billionaire too, just like him. Um, yet another person that literally is not taking a salary and using their own money to fly around the country and fix our shit. Okay. So, um, anyways, a couple billionaires hanging out with a bunch of other billionaires. That's pretty much what the WEC or World Economic Forum. So WEF, WEF, whatever. Uh, other than other than those two, it's pretty much a bunch of globalists. So um, one of the reporters asked Trump uh, how he thought he would be received, and Trump just pointed at the crowd of people following him and said, "I think I'm being received pretty well, don't you? You tell me." It was it was classic, classic Trump. So, and on that note, I guess I will uh, let you guys go. So um, subscribe, all that stuff, share the podcast. Um, 
if this is your first one, maybe go listen to a few other ones previous to this because I don't always just ramble on the mic. Sometimes I actually prepare stuff. So other than that, you all have a good one.